Hawke's Bay locals are on to their third cyclone recovery minister in just five weeks after former Labour minister Mika Whaiteri's surprise defection. She's now she's switching allegiances to the Māori party, but in the meantime, she'll stay on in Parliament as an independent. Karen McAnulty is now acting cyclone recovery minister for Hawke's Bay. Reporter Kate Green asked locals in Hawke's Bay what they think about moving on to minister number three. None of the recovery stuff's been quick anyway, so I think this is going to put another barrier up for those people that have already been waiting so long to to get some movement there. I don't know whether we've really had enough sort of support from them to even describe it as churn. They turned up in their high-vis vests and clipboards and took a few photos, and I think there's a lot of people who feel like we've been forgotten. That's obviously not ideal but I think there's going to be external factors that are going to affect the recovery for Hawke's Bay beyond their control of what the Minister could do anyway. It won't delay or impact too much at this point in time. If it was to continue that would be a worry but hopefully we get somebody with the right standing and cabinet permissions that can enable the decisions that need to be made for our region. Yeah, no, it's messy and it's not ideal for us getting people to stand here is hard enough as it is, I think. Um, I think someone, someone sitting in Wellington doesn't really have nah, a good yeah. idea. I mean, I know that Stuart, Stuart, both Stuart and Mika were both based here, mm. so who will they replace them with? Has it been very Not really, no. Paper? You only really see what you see in the paper, but there's not a huge amount around. Although I don't think anyone's too impressed with Stuart Nash. I'm kind of glad that he's left, given some of his issues. <laughs> but... Yeah. But it hasn't really affected anything from your point no, of view? No, I mean, I've seen so many people, I'm a hairdresser, so I work in a local cutting bar, so you hear lots of different stories of people who've suffered, so at the end of the day, as long as they're getting help and whatever they need, that's all that really matters. Meanwhile, the government announced three categories to determine the future of cyclone damaged properties earlier in the week. They range from simple repairs to not safe to live in again. Well, cyclone Recovery Minister Grant Robertson joins us now. Tēnā koe, Minister. Kia ora. Did you know how unhappy Mika Whaiteri was? Uh, no, this came as a surprise to me, uh, as it did to everyone in the Labour uh, caucus. And, um, you know, it's very, very disappointing. Um, the package you've had indicates the kinds of issues that we've got in front of us as a government and um, cost of living on top of the cyclone recovery. And, and it's a big job for us all to be getting on with. But, you know, I wish Mika well and we'll get on with the job. The fact that none of you saw this coming, does that indicate the party is out of touch, in particular with its Māori caucus? Um, I interestingly said that I'm on as the cyclone recovery minister. Yes, so and I'll she was a lead minister. About. She was a lead minister for Hawke's Bay, so it's relevant to your portfolio. That's not what you've asked me about. Look, in terms of my view, we have an excellent relationship within our caucus in terms of Māori caucus and the wider caucus. Um, we're very proud of the achievements that we've made for Māori. Um, we've just recently had Wado Jean Prime come into Cabinet as another Māori minister. We've got the greatest number of Māori ministers that there's ever been in a Cabinet and a very strong Māori caucus. So I'm really proud of them and the work that they do. And, um, you know, Mika has to answer her own uh, answers for, for why she's left. Um, but if you want to ask me some questions about cyclone recovery, happy to do that. As I said, related to cyclone recovery, she was one of your lead ministers and for Hawke's Bay. You would have heard residents there expressing some concern that they've had a revolving door in terms of the ministers supporting them. One person saying not enough support came in with the hivers, took a few photos and now they're forgotten. What assurances can you give them that they are going to get the attention they need now that they're on to their third minister for their district? Yeah, look, and I don't obviously accept that particular piece of criticism that you mentioned there. I do understand that the communities involved are under a lot of stress. Myself and other ministers have been there regularly under our portfolio headings, and the local MPs, which include you know, Minister Nash, 
their former Minister Nash is now still there as a local MP, and Alork is there as a local MP. We have a lot of work going on in the region, and the information is constantly flowing backwards and forwards. Um, Kira McAnulty, who's in the acting position, his electorate actually stretches up into the sectoral Hawke's Bay. He's a regular visitor to that region as well. Um, it's, of course, unfortunate that um, we've had two ministers um, you know, go out of, of that position, but that doesn't take away from the work that's been going on. These three categories that have been announced, when is the deadline to tell people which category their property falls into? We're working towards starting some public consultation at the end of the month. Um, the weariness I have about that is that this is a, a complex exercise. We're bringing together engineering data from local government, and obviously that means they have to be able to provide that, and we don't completely control uh, that timeline. We've got the data from the insurance companies, which has been really helpful, but we have to get this right. The very, very worst thing I think we could do is go into a community and make some definitive statements about their future and then come back a couple of weeks later and say, oh, actually, we didn't get that right. So we are working as fast as we can. We know how stressful and difficult this is. After the Canterbury earthquakes, it was at least four months before um, people started to get these kinds of decisions. I want to be quicker than that, but we've got to get the work right. So you'll be consulting into May with a decision anticipated by when? Um, well, the consultation, you know, we have to go to the public. We then want to get, you know, their feedback, their understanding of the situation, take that into account and then get on with it within, you know, within another month or so from there. But that will vary a little bit on which categories people are in, because I think you can understand, Lisa, if we're thinking about um, a situation where people can't go back, Category 3, that's got very significant consequences. Category 1, you can get on with it. You can probably get on with things almost straight away. So right. it'll so be a little bit up. different depending on the categories that you end up in. Yeah, that takes us up to around June, potentially, and beyond. And um, people may remember you said within two or three weeks you should have the information to make these decisions. What's happened to that time frame? Yeah, and that was what we hoped for for the people in Category 1, for the people in the easier, you know, the ones who would be able to simply get on. It just hasn't worked out that way. The information is more harder to get. Um, councils themselves have to be able to go and do the work. We had to drag that out of the insurance companies, and that's exactly, Lisa, why I'm wary of setting very specific dates from here, that we had hoped for the for those who, who where it was a, you know, a lower impact that we would be able to move on that time frame. It just didn't work out that way in terms of getting the data and the information. Can you understand how some people may feel let down then by that earlier commitment not coming to pass? Look, we've been doing our best and we've been communicating and working with the councils on this as much as we possibly can. Um, again, it's the reason why you know we're, we're putting out the, the criteria, we're talking about the process that we're going through. Meanwhile, we're still doing a lot of things there. Today we announced the package for silt and debris removal of over a couple of hundred million. Um, we've had the further grants for small and medium enterprises. We've got continuing work in the road. So there's a lot of activity happening. This stream of work around what happens to severely affected communities is very important to those communities. We want to make a quick decision, but we've got to make the right decision. So people in Category 3 who end up in that category where it's unsafe to rebuild there, who will cover the costs of retreat? And obviously that's a parallel piece of work because we need to we need to make decisions there that are 
um, sympathetic to those who've been affected, but also are ones that will create a precedent for the rest of the country potentially. So, Minister, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I've got to finish, Lisa. You only gave me half a sentence. No, no. Can I just ask you this, Minister, because you said it's parallel work. So I just want to establish, and I'll let you finish your answer, but I just want to establish, if it's parallel work, do you anticipate the question of who pays will be answered at the same time you release the information about categories? It's parallel work, and we will do our best to get ourselves in a position so that there can be clarity. But again, there may be some variation depending on particular circumstances. What I can say is the principles that we're working on the basis of is that you know we appreciate the fact that the government and others needs to be a part of this. There is also a role for local government, and obviously there's a role for insurers and homeowners. We want to work our way through that. Clearly, those two bits of work need to come together and give us as much clarity as possible when we go out to consult the community. Have you got a pot of money set aside for you to kick into this? I'm not even really going to go into that, but obviously we've seen situations in the past where we have had to do managed retreat, where the Crown has been involved, uh, but we've got to work through the criteria and the process and, as I said, the understanding that we can create precedent here. Um, We unfortunately are going to have more extreme weather events and we need to be aware of making sure that we, we get the apportionment of cost right. Um, You mentioned the small business grants. There are local organisations responsible for handing out that money. And in Hawke's Bay in particular, there have been concerns raised about the chamber there being overrun with applications, questions about who's getting money and how much. I'm just wondering what checks and balances there are on the way that money's being distributed. And are you happy with the way it's being handled in Hawke's Bay? The important thing here is that we were asked by people on the ground and in communities for this to be a locally-led response. Um, Out of Canterbury, that was a really big lesson. And so one of the things we decided was that those agencies knew more about their local communities than someone from Wellington trying to make a a paper-based judgment. So we put this in the hands of those communities with some criteria. The Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment has been working alongside them. I've heard some of the concerns that have been raised. I've asked MB whether they have those concerns. They continue to work and be confident and comfortable. It hasn't been easy. And the last tranche of money has gone out now in order to try to make up, um, you know, to meet the needs that are there. Everyone's closed their applications now, so we can work through those with the additional money. It's $75 million in total. It's a substantial sum of money, but I recognise for individual cases it won't cover all of their costs. We, you know, we feel it's a, it's a significant contribution. And, you know, we, if we believe in a local response, we've got to support that. We're almost out of time, Minister, but that fund's been topped up, what, twice? Is there potential for another top-up? No, our belief is that we, we you know, the applications are now closed and so therefore the additional funding's been provided on the basis of an estimate of what was needed to meet the applications that were already in the system. Appreciate your time this evening. That's the Cyclone Recovery Minister, Grant Robertson.